Hello, listeners. Welcome to another exciting episode of Standing Post. I'm your host, Cody Starkin, and in this month's episode, I bring you a guest all the way from the West Coast to speak about the Secret Service's support to Super Bowl 56. Marked as a Department of Homeland Security Special Event Assessment Rating of 1, my guest explains the specifics of a SEER 1 event and the role the Secret Service plays while working with law enforcement partners. Now, please welcome to the show the Los Angeles Field Office Special Agent in Charge, Mr. Jesse Baker. Special Agent in Charge, Jesse Baker, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Do you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? Yeah, Cody, it's great to talk to you. I'm so excited about this. I've been waiting weeks and weeks, and I'm all hopped up on my favorite soda. So I, I promise <laughs> I'm going to deliver for you. But for those that I haven't met, which is probably everyone listening, uh, my name is Jesse Baker. Actually, I've been with the Secret Service for almost 25 years. I know you wouldn't know it. I sound like I'm 15, right? But 25 years in the agency. I'm the agent in charge out here in the beautiful city of Los Angeles. And it really is an honor uh, to speak to you, Cody. I've been excited for this. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, we're happy to have you on the show uh, to speak to the listeners. Uh, we got an exciting subject. We're going to be talking to you about securing uh, the Super Bowl coming up in February here. But I really want to just sit down and have a conversation about who you are, uh, where you came from. So I guess I'll just lead it off with uh, where did you grow up? Where do you call home? Well, it's, it's funny, Cody, when you say that, it reminds me of, you remember Austin Powers? I know it's an old movie, but it's still good. They asked Dr. Evil, and he says, the details of my life are quite inconsequential. So that's what I think of when I think of me growing up. I'm probably about the same. But I did grow up in a small town called Pine Top, Arizona. I think there were probably less than 2,000 people there. I'm guessing I'm the only, not guessing. If there's another Secret Service agent from Pine Top, then I'm going to give them my entire 401k retirement balance, which is about $7. I'm not too worried about losing the bet. <laughs> but it was a great city to grow up in. I got to tell you, we had a McDonald's. That was the highlight of our time. We did get a stoplight once, which was a huge deal. And we actually got one stoplight in the city. Hmm. And I have to say, going forward, who would think that coming from this one stoplight town, that someday in the future, I would be on the President's Protected Division, traveling the world in motorcades and never stopping at stoplights, right? What a crazy <laughs> life. Who could think? Oh, absolutely. And I just, I think that's one of the great things about, I'm fortunate enough to to host this podcast is to learn about the everybody's backgrounds. and. It's I'm kind of seeing a trend, just a lot of people that are that grew up in these small towns that were able to uh, apply to join the Secret Service and become who they were or who they are now. It's just amazing to hear the story. Yeah, I've, I've listened to a lot of the ones you've done. I totally agree with you. And it's, you know, that's kind of nice starting in that place because you, you keep yourself entertained. We did wood cutting and I don't know, whatever kind of labor my father put us through with my brother. But this is how tiny it was. I remember buying cassette tapes. I know I'm dating myself, but who cares? I embrace my age, Cody. I'm not ashamed of that. I bring a lot of wisdom to your podcast today, Standing Post. But we would buy tapes at Ace Hardware. So I remember I bought, remember Michael Jackson's Thriller album came out, which by the way, we're going to talk about music. I know you're going to have to suffer through that for a few seconds to the listeners. <laughs> music makes the world go round. So Michael Jackson, I still remember jamming that on my Walkman. And I got to say, all right, speaking of Michael Jackson, you got to roll with me on this, Cody. People need to hear this story. It's been 20-some years, so I think I could share it. We, I was a baby agent on the job. I was here in Los Angeles field office, and those may, may recognize that when foreign leaders actually come to the United States, the Secret Service still protects them. 
So the heads of state, their spouses, we pick them up. So I'm here at a fancy hotel in Beverly Hills with King Maswati III of Swaziland. And he's here, and his staff member tells us at one point, he said, yeah, we're going to be going to Michael Jackson's house tomorrow. And I thought, hmm. yeah, I mean, this guy had said all these things. And I said, sure, I'm, yeah, I'm sure we are. He says, no, no, okay, well, just talk to me then. So the next day, he gives me this map. It looks like a treasure hunt, you know, like dot, 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 X. <laughs> and I go, what is this? So we call an agent. We send him out there. This guy's not joking around. He says, we're going to see Michael Jackson. So <laughs> what do you know? We get in the motorcade in Beverly Hills. He drive out from L.A. all the way out there, come up to this gate. I roll down the window. I think it's, you know, in like the movies, like you speak into a tree trunk. You're like, hi, uh, <laughs> you're seeing Michael Jackson, the king of pop. <laughs> the big gates open up. Next thing you know, we're walking around with Michael Jackson. And remember, when I was a kid, I had the red zipper jacket from the Beat It video. For those that are old enough to remember, which mm. is a huge deal. It's these meaningless zippers, which sort of resemble that. So I was on the train, traveling with Michael Jackson, watching a movie at this merry-go-round. I mean, it was a very trip. Who would think of a little third-grade kid wearing the zipper jacket? Someday I'd go to the Neverland Ranch for the king of Swaziland. That's an interesting story, and I appreciate you sharing that experience with us. That's, I think those are the only things that you can tell, like when you're, you know, working uh, protection detail uh, with the Secret Service. So I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to share that with me. Yeah, I think you want to say, Cody, you tolerated me sharing the story. But that's okay. It was fun for me to tell. <laughs> well, um, you know, you talked about your your time with the uh, the, the the detail. Uh, can you ex- talk about a little bit more about what you've done uh, prior to becoming the special agent in charge for the LA field office? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. You've ever had that moment in life where something kind of you had that aha moment. I remember as a kid, I always waited for that thing, and man, I hope that happens to me. So when I was in college, I went to Arizona and I remember walking to, you know, have you ever seen those career fairs when you're in school Mm -hmm. and have all these booths set up? Mm -hmm. So they had this booth in it that secret service. And I'd never thought about the secret service, didn't know anything about them. I mean, I've heard of them, but really had no relation at all. I'd barely left the state of Arizona. And I called my dad that night and he still reminds me of this to this day. I said, dad, I think I don't want to know what I'm going to, I think I know what I'm going to do with my life. I probably tripped over my words like that because I wasn't that well-schooled back then. (laughs) But he still remembers that to this day. And who would thought at at, at that point? So I was 19. I remember this. I'll never forget. I applied back to this old school and you have to use, remember typewriters? Mm -hmm. Ever heard of a typewriter? (laughs) He was like, what's a typewriter, man? Come on, bring it back. So we had that on the ribbons, this old Smith Corona thing. I had to I thought it felt like a 185,000 page application and send it back through the mail with no tracking. It's a miracle it ever got there. And I flew out to DC for the training. Remember this test was this big training center and it's very intimidating and these plastic soldiers, it looked like they had been shot with paintballs. And I was just thinking, what am I doing here? And I remember this very clearly. I looked down on the application and it said only 19 and it was underlined. And I remember telling the person, I said, no, 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 no. I'm 20, I'm 20 now. <laughs> so now I don't even think you can apply until you're 21 to be in the job. Mm-hmm. But I use this as an example because this comes up a lot in life. If you've ever been around that where people tend to, you know, always in some industries, it doesn't happen. But a lot of others, they think, oh, because someone's young, they're not capable of what joining or being part or making an impact. Well, I, I can't think that that's so far from the truth. And I just think, how would my life be so different if one person had just looked at that and said, hey, this person hasn't done enough. Why, why are we talking to you? never have the experience I have, never hopefully get to contribute. So I'm always amazed by that and try to bring that forward as well. 
to look and remember that, yeah, age is, is important in certain circumstances, but other it's about ability. Mm-hmm. It's about what do we see in people? What do we think they can deliver? It's always about tapping potential. They do it everywhere. They do it in the NFL. We'll talk about the Super Bowl later. That's what they do, right? They draft people. I probably wouldn't have got drafted, Cody, by the way. I probably would have been left out. Right bench would have been my position. <laughs> but at least someone gave me a chance. So who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? It, in that, that time and experience, have you, what have, changes have you seen over that time from knowing about the Secret Service through that job fair uh, till today? I think the biggest change I've seen is the Secret Service has really embraced the importance of mental health and, and the power of the individual. And so I think when I was younger, you tended to, I, and this could have just been my impression, you may have felt like a number. You were just, they, you hear this sometimes on the job, they call you a body. Hey, I need five bodies over here. But in over time, I know it's not, it's something that people just have that ingrained. And when you hear that all the time, what do you feel like? You feel like you're a cog in a wheel. You feel like you have no identity, right? You're just plug and play. You're just put somewhere. You have no individualism. Well, that works to a degree. It works certainly in certain circumstances in society or different organizations, but it doesn't really value the individual. It doesn't make you feel appreciated all the time. And I think I've seen that as times have changed. And I think, quite frankly, society has changed in that way. The services embrace that. And they brought that about and they've recognized the power and the importance of this individualism and recognizing when people accomplish things. So one of these things that I think for the better, mm-hmm. it's amazing to me how much the services embrace that and how one individual act or suggestion from anyone on the job, anyone on the job, I don't even care if they've been on two weeks and they come in now and they say, why do we do it this way? Here's a better way to do it. And all the way up through the director, I'll give them credit. They embrace it. And if people think, and they show there's a better way to do it, they do it. And that's not easy to say, right? Not every organization works that way. Yeah. And I, and I really appreciate you, you sharing that. You know, I want to know kind of what that looks like, that, that, that change in progress over time, because it's always fascinating having the opportunity to speak to experienced professionals like yourself um, who are willing to share it. So thank you for doing that. I like that. You called me an experienced professional. You could have just said <laughs> an old guy, right? But I was young when I came on, so I'm not that old, right? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm still going to say it. I'm going to still say that, you know, being able to speak to an experienced uh, special agent here on the job and the reason why we have you on the podcast, I wanted to ask, why is the Secret Service in the business of helping secure the Super Bowl? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good question. I get it a lot from, uh, I do a lot of speaking and different things. Here, here's something I think is important. And this to me, and I'm going to say it, I'm a Secret Service fanboy, but I believe in my heart, and I think this is, is recognized that the Secret Service is the best in the world at what we do, bar none, best in the world. When you think of protection, what do they think? They think Secret Service over here. They have an image that may come to mind from movies, but it's there for a reason. I I have to say there's a lot more to what the agency does, which I know you've talked about on different ones. I I used to be amazed that people would be like, what, you actually do other things other than protection? And I almost (laughs) say it bothered me. But finally I embraced it because do you care that Tom Brady is doing other stuff? No, you know Tom Brady's the GOAT. Mm-hmm. If you want someone to play quarterback, who are you going to put in? Tom Brady. If you want someone to do protection, who is going to do it? The Secret Service. There's no one better in the world. Now, that being said, we have different roles and we've adjusted over time. So what's happened is certain events that are applicable that may face um, generalized threat. And that may be just because of the notoriety, because of the exposure and how much attention an event may get may get recognized by the government and by Homeland Security as being worthy of getting assets from the federal government. And I say entire federal government, not just not just any individual component, but the whole government. So 
So oftentimes what's happened is a Secret Service agent has been appointed by the Secretary of Homeland Security to be placed as the federal security coordinator. That's what I'm doing for this Super Bowl. It's an honor for me to be working with them. Now, what we do, though, is there's different little minutiae of that, which aren't worth getting into. But the whole point of that part is for me to say is that in certain instances, say it's the Olympics, which, by the way, are coming to L.A. in 2028, the Secret Service would be in charge of planning for that, another what they call MSFD. For the Super Bowl, because it's a difference, a Sear one of that, it'll be like the Rose Bowl and the Rose Parade, which I've done, is that my job is basically to help the individual component that's in charge. In this case, it's the Inglewood Police Department, working with Los Angeles Police Department and other events, to get them assets. And to take a look at the security plan and say, how can we help? I mean, what does the federal government have in terms of security assets that can add to the safety of the game, add to the safety of the event? Because there's a lot of people, as we know, there's a lot of attention to there. And there's a lot of assets. But do you know how important it is? Have you ever looked and we'll use the football analogy? You got 11 players on offense. And if I've got a wide receiver who goes, you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at running down the field and running a post route. But you know what? It's fourth and one. And we just need to hand it off to the outback and get half a yard. But, but no, no, no. I want to do it this way. Well, we don't need you to do it this way. We need this. But someone has to do that. So we say that to say, you've got the police department in charge. They need to know that individual foreign, um, I'm sorry, federal components I'm not just doing their thing. Does it make sense? I'm not just mm-hmm. over here saying, well, we're going to be on the outside of the Super Bowl and I'm going to give you this. I don't want that. Here's where I need you. Okay. And I think that's why it's so important that I love, <laughs> this is what I love about it. There's so many things I love about the job. But I'll, I'll just, I'll mention this part. When the president comes forward somewhere or comes to LA or goes around the world and I used to be on the presidency show. When people think you just go there and say, let me tell you, Cody, the president's coming here tomorrow. Here's how it's going to be. It doesn't work that way. It mm-hmm. does not work that way. The best people that I've seen on this job and in life, they get things that they want to do and they want to accomplish. Get that through the basic human psychology. It's all about relationships. It's all about wanting to be with someone, wanting to help out, having that collective sense of accomplishment and goals. And that's what this is. It's not about hard power on that way. And so this is the same way when we go to components and say, hey, we could really use help here. Uh, this police department can really use canine assets. Hey, well, how are we dealing with this specific threat? Do you have anything we can deal with this? Hold on, I know someone. Hold on, let me call this person. Hold on, let me go to this agency. And I love it. I love doing that. I love put, putting people together, um, finding out where we're our best together, what assets, what holes can we fill. And that's what we're going to do for this game so that people can go. It's a huge impact on the city of Los Angeles, as we know. It's a huge impact on the country. And we don't always want to take that for granted sometimes. And it's almost better that way. That, it's safe and secure, just like other events, but people don't really have to think about it. So, and just to clarify, for this event, it's not an NSSE, it's a uh, CR1 event? Yeah, it's a CR1 event. So that's the highest rating for that. So that means it's that, and actually I'm doing the, uh, the Rose Bowl parade and game, which is also CR1. I'll do that for the fourth time. Very similar. We have a big parade, a lot of, a lot of things that you need to secure. So it's a very similar mindset. So because of that, it's, it's the best part of that group collective security, if you will us working together. I mean, we don't do it alone and they don't do it alone. I mean, imagine <laughs> imagine a motorcade with just some Secret Service cars. And, and think about it. When you think of motorcade, what do you think of? All the bikes and the other cars and the assets and the helicopters and all that. Well, those aren't all Secret Service things. <laughs> those are a lot of our police departments from around the country and around the world, quite frankly, okay. around the world when we travel. So it's an amazing, amazing thing that you can accomplish when you work together. And we're just trying to bring that model to this sort of event and, and replicate the success we've had. Well, because the SEER 1 kind of framework is very dependent on partnerships, I mean, 
you kind of highlighted on on it already, and maybe the listeners don't realize those partnerships because you had talked about those relationships you have with other law enforcement and emergency services. Um, can you talk about some of the things that you've done to help you know foster that partnership with other law enforcement agencies? Here specifically for the game or just in history? Well, maybe just uh, in history because I, I know the yeah. the Super Bowl, the Rose Bowl, they happen once a year, but you have to maintain those relationships throughout the year, yeah. correct? Yeah, that's a great point. And it's here, here's what we have. I, I love this is that we have so many instances, in the, particularly the city of L.A., that we work with these departments. And L.A. is an interesting place for those that have been here. You have a ton of uh, different individual incorporated cities that have their own police departments and EMS and others. So if you only know, you say, well, I know the chief of LAPD. By the way, he was a great person, great chief. <laughs> well, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. You have to know everyone here. You've got to know the chiefs of all the different cities because you're going to be touching them in so many different ways where you're going to be going through the city or incorporating their assets. And I've always felt this way. You ever notice, Cody, that when you meet someone and they say, or you've seen someone you haven't seen in a while, and they go, you know what, Cody, we should get lunch. Mm-hmm. I always laugh at that later because you go, do you think we're getting lunch if I say that to you? I would assume no so. No way. Oh, I mean. <laughs> well, maybe. But let's think about it this way. How about if I say this? Hey, Cody, it's great to see. You know what? We should get lunch. Does that give you a lot of confidence? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. I always say, we need to get rid of the should. Because people do that, and maybe that's an L.A. thing for sure. Hey, we should do this. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? I should work out every day and eat nothing but vegetables <laughs> and get 10 hours of sleep. And I know I should do it, but I'm not going to do it. So I tell them, no, no, we must do this, right? When I tell you something, Cody, we've got to get lunch. Tell me your schedule. What are you doing on Wednesday? Well, you know we're going now, right? We're yep. getting lunch. And I think it, that intention is critical. So I always laugh at that. I tell people all the time, if I don't have your cell phone number, we're probably not friends. <laughs> and I don't mean that. That's a, that's a knock on me as much as anyone. If I can't pick up the phone and call you at nine at night or one in the morning or three in the morning, you probably aren't that close. Mm-hmm. And so you got to have those relationships to do it because we work together all the time, all the time. And so when a big event comes up like this, like the World Cup, like the Super Bowl, like the Olympics, like WrestleMania, by the way, which don't let me get off this podcast <laughs> you talking about WWE because we'll, you're going to get a little bit of it. I promise you, you will. Will do. I cannot take this opportunity without doing that. So, I mean, is there anything like what does that planning process look like when you have an event this big? Yeah, it's, it's a long process. We actually went out to the Super Bowl in Tampa last year. So the groups that are here. We all went out together. And by the way, I, always, I already have relationships with them. So it just helped again to just cement that in that. We took a look, saw that, saw what worked. And here's what was great about Tampa and I think it was Hills, Hillsborough uh, Sheriff's Department is they were very blunt with us in private. And because it doesn't help when you ask someone, how are things going? And you go, it's great. Everything worked perfectly. <laughs> go, oh, really? I didn't know life worked that way. I wish, <laughs> wish my life. Were, my life is messed up. So I like it when people are very blunt. Because it helps us to hear that. And they were very open. And they showed, shared a lot of successes, which we've tried to replicate. And then they told us, here's what could have worked better. And we looked at that as well. So I think it's a long process. I mean, we've been working on it for almost a year and a half of putting people together, going through scenarios, going through different training issues. Um, you know, look, there's always risk in life. I always say there's an inherent risk in, in life, period. We're seeing that in multiple facets of our society right now. There's no perfect time that pr- tomorrow's not promised to any of us. So you do your best to, to take it necessary steps to secure this event and other events, by the way, as you know, we do that every day in the secret service around the world, quite literally around the world. Well, for 
um, security like for the event itself? Is there are, are there things that um, you might want to let the listeners know? Um, again, if they're deciding to go to this particular Super Bowl or future Super Bowl. Well, here's the first thing I would say: if someone has tickets to the Super Bowl, I want them to give me financial advice <laughs> on how to get it. It's about eight or nine thousand dollars <laughs> to do it, so it's going to be a limited subset. I went to the Super Bowl, by the way, as a, as a Arizona Cardinals fan in 2009 against the Steelers. By the way, I'll never get over that. I, the ending was not good as a Cardinals fan. I will never, ever get over that game. But um, there are a lot of events that are associated with the Super Bowl, which, and I could see a ton of people going to that. For example, here, I'm looking outside my window right now at LA Live, where they'll do a big fan fest type event. And uh, the, the nice thing is the NFL is very, as we see, very successful and very good at outreach and make it pretty easy for people to sort of go through those situations and get all the information they need. So if they're coming out for the Super Bowl, I think it's fantastic. The, the city is going to welcome them with a host of week, week-long events, really, concerts and other things. And there's going to be a lot of public messaging about it um, for it. So I, I think that I've seen it firsthand. I mean, it's, it's not just security apparatus. It's a whole of government, a good private-public partnership as well. And just if you're able to, uh, obviously not going into specific items here, but just some things that are unique to a Super Bowl, but from a special agent standpoint that has to design that security plan, is there just anything publicly that you would be able to say that would be unique in that kind of um, what it takes to secure a Super Bowl or a sporting event? Well, I would say this, and, and I won't limit this just to the Super Bowl. Also, I'll expand this to anything you really do through it, is that what gets what always has people look back is, is a criticism of a failure of imagination. You have to have someone and not just someone, but numerous people from numerous different agencies looking at a point of view and really getting in the weeds to say, Hey, if I'm the bad guy and I wanted to attack or do this, what would I do? How would I do it? Mm. What would it take? So I got to put myself in those shoes, right? I, I want to do it. I want other people to do it, to really think and, can I get outlandish with it? I better. You're expecting that. Cody, if you were going to this event, you'd want me in that headspace. Absolutely. And so that's what it really takes. If I'm going to look at a site and I, gosh knows if I can't do that by now, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm seeing <laughs> sites throughout the world in my, in my career to really say, okay, where are the weak spots? Where are the weak spots? When I knew everything I needed to know, what would I do? And so if we can do that, the nice thing is, it's just like in the NFL, I'll make that analogy. It's like the other coach having a playbook. Well, here's the, they know what we're going to do. So I better know the other point because everything can be countered to some degree. I mean, it's, it's really just putting a plan together to say, how do we affect, um, how do we improve this area? How do, how do we get around this? And you get enough people together, some unique imaginations. You can envision a lot of different scenarios. And by the way, not all these are security. As we're seeing, you can really affect things through <laughs> and cause a lot of concern and damage. And just uh, problems that aren't even necessarily a threat to life, that there are nuisances or others that can really, really have an impact, particularly when the eyes of the world are looking at some event. So that's, I'd say, what it is. You have to really have a fresh perspective and not take anything for granted when you're checking these places. Well, and for particularly those new law enforcement officers, federal law enforcement officers, the the special agents that may be their first time uh, doing protection at an event like this. Do you have any advice, tips, things you'd want to impart to them? 
Yeah, I mean, here it, it, that's a that's a great question. Although I'm violating that, Scotty, by saying that. I always <laughs> tell people, don't tell someone it's a great question because then if I don't say that, do you think, well, was that question not good? Because he or she didn't say that was a great question. <laughs> so I'm violating my own rules by that, which I have a lot of my own rules, by the way. I'm always in my head. But it's funny, life happens, and you think you're going to remember all these things, and you're going to remember everything you have in your career, and you won't do it in life, not just in Secret Service, of course. And I, I wish sometimes, I don't have regret, but I wish when I look back and I wish I'd appreciated some of those things a little bit more. There are so many cool things about the job. And I, you know, something that always strikes me. I don't know if you've seen this, if, if this is your experience too, when I meet someone in the vast majority, I'd say almost 90% of the time when I meet someone, if for whatever reason they know what I do, or I, I share it, which is probably I'd only share it if I'm trying to flex on someone. So, <laughs> <laughs> usually I won't share it, but let's say I did. Almost every time the person will say, oh, wow, I met someone. I knew a Secret Service agent once. And they always tell me some long story about someone and met Denver, whatever. But, they go, but that doesn't happen in other fields usually. No mm -hmm. one comes to you if you say, hey, what do you do, Cody? You go, I'm an accountant. They go, oh, <laughs> you're kidding me. I know an accountant once. I've met a few of them. It doesn't happen. I can say that, by the way, because I was an accounting major. So I'm not bearing accountants. No one... I don't want anyone to throw any pocket protectors or calculators at me. <laughs> so I love that because you get everyone's best. And so imagine this, when the president of the United States comes throughout the world and we're with them and you're, and you're someone who's involved, let's say you own the building that he's coming to visit. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not getting someone's B game that day. You're getting their A game. Nobody goes home and says, Oh, you're not going to believe this. I had such a boring week. What's happening? Oh, uh, the president of the United States is coming to my place on Wednesday. It's like, <laughs> you are getting people's best. And not only that, I always think this is funny too, traveling over the whole world. I spent many, many years on the presidential protective division on multiple assignments. And when we would travel, I've always been, been struck by this. When you're with, let's say you're with the president that day. Now you're just traveling around, you get to see everything. But let's say I'm doing the advance. So I'm going overseas for a few weeks. So I'm doing domestic advances and I'm spending a week out beforehand. You get to see what these places look like. <laughs> We're going, you know, they always have that joke about the back channels at hotels or coming in through underground, whatever. Mm -hmm. But suddenly things that back of the house look so nasty and old paint and mildew. And suddenly it looks like you're on the red carpet. They get to see the best. It's like, break out the paint, break out the flowers. Let's paint everything over. We got everything look a thousand percent better. So it is kind of a fun thing to be around. You're always on the outside looking in. But isn't it funny in life when, when people are excited about something? This is what I love, again, about human psychology. When you're excited about something and you join together on this common purpose, it's amazing how much fun life can be when you're not just dreading it. And that's what I love about this job. And so I would tell people that come on, that listen, or people that are on the job, is just embrace that and know, wow, how amazing I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid to be in this motorcade, traveling around the world, protecting arguably the most important person in the world. Who could think that? I can't believe I'm getting paid to do that. Don't tell that to my boss, Cody, because I need a raise. So I don't want them to use this against me. And you spoke about security for various events uh, earlier in the episode here, but specifically you you asked about the, uh, the WWE events. Is there uh, a particular story you wanted to share? I grew up as a huge WWE fan. I told you, that, look, there was nothing to do except for cut wood when we were over there. <laughs> and uh, there wasn't that much fun, although we did cut our own Christmas trees. That's kind of cool, right? Probably people would pay a lot for that now. So I always say that. I go, my dream job is to go work for WWE. So someone that's listening, 
is going to know someone who's going to know someone else in networking. I want you to tell Mr. Vince McMahon that I'll come over and sweep the floors if I need to, <laughs> but I need to get there, right? I need to get there someday. I got a lot of experience. I'll go do what I need to for it. Zach Baker, I appreciate your time. As tradition is with standing posts, I always want to leave the last word with the guests. So if you don't mind, is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners? Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I tell you, I, it's it's really been an honor. I look back and just think uh, how, how, how big a fan I am of the Secret Service. And I know if someone's listening to this much and they haven't hung up already, hung up, isn't that funny? I'm, I'm dating myself like Rotary. <laughs> like, Dude, we don't hang up anymore. We just hit the button and turn off your podcast on my phone. So if you're still listening, that probably means you like the secret service. And I got to tell you, I love it. There have been so many things that way that I've so many amazing opportunities I've got to see throughout the world. And um, I'm just, I'd love to do it all over again. (laughs) It's it's so fun. And every day comes, comes forward. And I think, wow, some of the, I mean, the president was just here, for example, and I think I, I appreciate this stuff more than I used to. And the same day that you're over here traveling with the president, going on Air Force One, driving around, being on a Marine One or helicopters with him in the city of L.A. And then later in that day, I'm briefing the attorney general at the U.S. attorney's office here on criminal investigations. The attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer in the country. I think within five hours of one another, that happened. <laughs> and I said, that's pretty impressive. Not impressive towards me. I'm just saying, what an opportunity and something that I can take a step back and say, wow, how grateful I am amazingly grateful I am for the opportunity and uh, how fun it is. So what an honor and looking forward to really great things to come. more information about the Secret Service or how to join, please go to www.secretservice.gov. And until next time, listeners, stay vigilant.